if you're listening, one of the most important beliefs to have is, is to use other people's success as evidence of what's possible for you. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fun That Flip, you know Fun That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fun That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, hello. How you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all that fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. And with us today, we have Hal Elrod. How you doing, Hal? Dude, best day ever. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's right. Well, that's because you're talking to the best ever listeners. And I know you've been, right. we, we've tried to record this darn thing three <laughs> times and, yep. and, and now we're finally making it happen. So I am so grateful that yeah. we're, we're going to be making this happen and it is Sunday. So because it's Sunday, we're doing skill set Sunday and you've got all sorts of skills that you can, uh, you can talk to us about. And I'm looking forward to that a little bit about Hal, and then we're going to get into it. He is the best selling author of the miracle morning and The Miracle Morning for Real Estate Agents. He is the host of the popular podcast, Achieve Your Goals, and you can say hi to him at his websites, either halelrod.com or miraclemorning.com. He's based in Los Angeles, California. And with that being said, Hal, before we get into the skill sets that we want to talk about, can you give the best of listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for the the intro. Uh, appreciate that very much. As far as the background goes, I mean, I think that, that where, to, where to pick up, when I was uh, 20 years old, I was selling Cutco cutlery. So I, I had started selling Cutco a year and a half prior and broken all sorts of company records. Most Cutco ever sold in the first 10 days on the job and broken all these records. And really, unbe- like you know, it wasn't the plan. I just was excited about it. I worked hard. And a year and a half into my uh, Cutco career, if you will, I was driving home after I gave a speech at a Cutco conference to about 
40 sales reps, a little small little regional, actually divisional event. And driving home that night, I was in a brand new Ford Mustang. I just bought it a few weeks prior, my brand first brand new car. And uh, driving home that night, I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 to 80 miles per hour on the freeway. Worse was yet to come. You'd think that the head-on would be the worst, but the car, after I hit the car head-on, my car actually spun sideways, and then there was a car behind me that my car was all of a sudden you know, perpendicular to the highway, and they crashed into my door at 70 miles an hour. And I always give, like, if you have everyone listening, just look over your left shoulder and imagine you're sitting in your car and a car going 70 miles an hour crashes into your door. Mm. And the devastation you might imagine is, you know, kind of what happened. I, um, the entire left side of my body was crushed. I broke 11 bones. My leg broke in half. My arm broke in half. I mean, I, I was, I was, it was devastated. And I was actually found dead. I, I died for six minutes when they pulled me out of the car. And you know, it's a long story, but uh, long story short, six days in a coma came out of the coma to the news. I would never walk again. I had permanent brain damage. My wife will vouch for the brain damage, but <laughs> I am walking. I'm actually standing right now. Um, but uh, yeah, and you know, it's one of those things that I was faced with a choice, kind of like many real estate agents or professionals were in 2008 you know, and nine when the, the economy and the market crashed. How are you going to respond when things go wrong, when, when there's all this stuff that's out of your control that you can't change? And uh, for me, I accepted it. I thought I can't change it. So there's no point in feeling bad about it, being depressed, feeling sorry for myself. And I, I also focused on, okay, what do I want? I don't want to be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. I'll accept that. If that's how it is, I'll be happy in a wheelchair because I'm stuck in a wheelchair and I can't change it. But until proven otherwise, I'm going to focus on what I want. I'm going to visualize walking. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to meditate on it, pray about it, whatever. And uh, I'll kind of wrap the story up with the doctors came in with routine x-rays about a week after I came out of the coma. So two weeks after the crash, and they said, we don't know how to explain this, but your body is healing so quickly. We're going to let you take your first step tomorrow in therapy. And it was like, whoa, whoa, you said I was never going to walk again, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and then maybe you said maybe like in a year if things go well. And then now you're saying like two weeks later tomorrow and took my first step and, and the rest is kind of history. And, and I'll transition just by saying that, you know, that's what led me first and foremost into going, hmm, how can I turn this adversity into an advantage for other people? Like maybe I'm meant to do more than just sell knives for the rest of my life. Not that there's anything. I almost said lives, which actually in this case, that <laughs> works. Technically, I guess you're Tec right. Yeah, you only live twice, right? Yeah, but, you only uh, live twice. That was my motto back then. But uh, but yeah, and then that led me into the work of like, you know, I, I should write a book and I always want to be a motivational speaker, but I never had anything to talk about and, you know, on and on. And um, and then uh, seven years later, when the economy did crash, eight eight years later, I guess, I lost everything like so many people. I lost my house. I lost, you know, I lost everything and came up with this morning ritual after about six months of, of desperation and depression. I was, I was a mess and came with a morning ritual when I realized that that's the one thing that all these successful people I was studying had in common that I was resisting because I was not a morning person was they wake up before they have to and they focus the first part of their day on getting centered, on growing, on becoming a better version of the person they were when they went to bed the night before and that allows them to become the person that they need to be and evolve so they can create the results they want in their life and in their business. And I started doing it. Two months later, my life was turned around. I called it the Miracle Morning, and now the rest is history, so to speak. So that, that's what I do now is the Miracle Morning. We've sold over 200,000 copies of the book, and it's just 
growing every month. It's this worldwide movement that's in 70 plus countries and uh, we're published in 21 of those. And yeah, so uh, so that, 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 that kind of, there's everything. It was nice talking to you, Joe. Thanks so yeah, much. Yeah, it was great me. talking to you. Nice. <laughs> Best ever listeners. Hope you enjoyed the story. Well, with, um, with the Miracle Morning, you said seven years later, you lost everything. So is it seven years after the, the wreck? Is that correct? Yeah, so the car crash happened December 3rd, 1999. I was 20. And then around 25, I, uh, I hit Hall of Fame with Cutco and thought, well, all right, I'm ready to, you know, like that's, I want to move on. I want to start my own business. I want to write a book. I want to do all these things I've been putting off for so many years. And then it was 2000, I mean, the economy started to crash. I think 2007, if I remember correctly, is when it started. AIDS when it really hit. And uh, for me, it was like a six-month downward spiral where I started losing coaching clients because they were affected by the economy and they couldn't afford to pay me. And all of a sudden, you know, one cancels and I'm like, oh man, I, was, I never lost a coaching client. That sucks. Okay, I can't change it. I'll move on. Then I lost two more. And then I was like, whoa, 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 you know, and and it was just this downward spiral and, you know, got, we went in deep debt and got depressed and, and lost the house. And uh, so it was right, you know, eight, eight, nine years later. A couple questions. I'll, I'll start with one and then we'll go from there. First is you had the car crash in 1999 and then you were incredibly successful with Cutco, you know, doing the sales of knives, right? That's, that's sure. what, yeah. And you weren't doing the miracle morning, it doesn't sound like, because then no. you, you came up with it after you lost your house and everything else in 2007-ish. Yeah. How were you able to achieve success without having the foundation that you use right now? That's a great question. And um, I mean, I think that there's, you know, I, and I even say in the book, like I'm, I, I'm not, I'm never preachy or I, or I mean, I probably get so I get excited sometimes I sound <laughs> preachy, but I don't ever try to be preachy and be like, Hey, this is the right way. And any other way is the wrong way. Like if there's anything I've learned in life, it's that there, you know, there always be open to new possibilities, new ideas, never think that you have it all figured out. And there's a lot of people that, uh, that are not morning people and that are still very successful. But I do believe there is another level of success that's available for those people if they tap into their morning. And I'll just give you a real life example of, of one of those individuals. I'm sure as a podcaster, you're familiar with Pat Flynn. Yep. So I'm a huge fan of Pat. I've listened to his podcast for years and, uh, and I just, I love he's, I mean, Pat from the outside at least, and really from the inside, but he's got like, he's got a great life. He has a perfect life. You know, like he's very successful financially. He's got this great business. He's impacting a lot of people's lives. He's a real family man. Like he's very much focused on his family first. He doesn't ever put work ahead of them. He runs marathons. So it's kind of like physically, mentally, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, like he's crushing it in every level. And mm -hmm. so he had me on his podcast finally. I was trying to get on there forever and he said, Hal, I'm not a morning person and uh, you know, it's kind of like if it's not broken, I don't want to fix it. So uh, I'm open to listening to you, but uh, you know, I'll just, he just kind of set up, set the tone where I'm like, how am I going to convince this guy who's crushing it in life and business that he should switch his routine? And what he said, he said, I don't set an alarm in the morning. I wake up when my kids come in running and go, daddy, 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 wake up. And I'm going, God, how in the heck am I going to convince this guy? Like that was the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know? like, <laughs> how am I going to say, no, 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 no. Your kid's waking you up saying, Daddy, I love you. Ah, that's no good. Alarm clock. Beep, <laughs> beep, beep. Way better, right? So, you know, I, I go through my, you know, I tell them my story and I, I share the miracle morning and how it's changed people's lives and all these things. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not real confident that I'm going to make a, a difference for him. And he says at the end, he goes, I'm pleasantly surprised when he says, Hal, 
I've never thought of it this way. Maybe I'm missing out on another level of productivity by not starting my day before my family wakes up and getting focused and clear and, you know, meditating and journaling and doing all these practices that you teach. I'm going to try it for 30 days. You have my word that my listeners have my word. I'll try it for 30 days. And by the time the podcast episode aired, he was on like week three, I think, and already crushing it. And he says that the miracle morning has four X his productivity. So this is someone who was already very successful. So I'm, I mean, telling you this story because, right, like how was I do? I, I mean, you can succeed without it. Mm-hmm. But Pat Flynn's a great example that even as a seven-figure earner, uh, the Miracle Morning 4X his productivity. And now he, I mean, he's a, it's been over a year, I think. And he's a daily practitioner. Like, in fact, just Google Pat Flynn Miracle Morning. He's done like follow-up episodes on how it's changed his life. And, up, you know, so, yeah. So that's, I always say like, of course, I'm going to tell you it's good. I wrote the book, but <laughs> I, I prefer to give other people's, right. you know, their experience with it. And then tactically, I'd love to learn what made you so successful with Cutco? I can start early on success and then how I evolved. Um, early on, like like my, my success was very fast. So I got hired there. A buddy of mine like bugged me. He's like, dude, you'd be great. You should do it. And he worked there. And I was like, I'm not a salesperson. I'm never, I was a DJ on the radio at that time. I had, my, I, you know, I had a, 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 a gig on the radio. And that was my dream. Like I was living the dream and he's like, oh, you should sell kitchen knives. You know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, but I gave it a shot. Well, on the second day, you, you go through a three-day training. I was like reluctant, like, all right, I'll do it to get Teddy off my back, you know? And on my day two of training, they talked about like the records for the first 10 days. It's called your uh, fast start. And they said, um, you know, if you sell a thousand dollars in fast start, you get this prize. If you sell 2000, you get this. If you sell 10,000, you get, you know, limo night. If you sell 15, if you break the all time company record, which was 12,000 bucks, you earn, you know, $4,000 in commissions. You get, you win a limo night, you get to go skydiving, you like all this cool stuff. And that got me excited. I was like, I want, you know, I've never been, I've been average my whole life. Like up until that point, I didn't get good grades. I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't popular. Like I was, I was the average kid, you know? And, um, and I was 19 at that time. And I thought, you know what? Why not me? Like, wh- if another human being has set a record, why, why can't I be the human being to break it? You know, why not? And I think it's one of those important beliefs, by the way. Let me pause. If you're listening, one of the most important beliefs to have is, is to use other people's success as evidence of what's possible for you. I think so often we create separation like, oh, man, they're better than me. They're better looking. They're smarter. They have more resources. They're yet, you know, they haven't had my life. Like, oh, of course, if they had my life, you know, that we find all these excuses to separate ourselves. But ultimately, if we look at, dude, they're a human being. At one point, they had no experience in doing what they do or do, have done. Therefore, that's evidence of, that I can, I can do it too. And so for me, that's the approach I took. And in those first 10 days, here's how I, to answer your question directly, enthusiasm and work ethic. I had no sales experience at all, but I was super authentically excited about the product. I thought it was amazing, right? And I did 62 90-minute appointments in those 10 days. So that's an average of nine hours of appointments plus, you know, roughly 30 minutes between appointments. We're talking like 13-hour work days for 10 days in a row. And that's how I broke the all-time company record. So in the beginning, it was enthusiasm and work ethic. And what's great about that is every single one of us has access to that, right? We overthink it usually. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't have the skills or I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't all figure it out or it's not my pitch isn't perfect or my website's not perfect or whatever my, you know, and, and I don't have this much experience. The idea is that, hey, dude, you just, you figure it out. You know, you start where you are, you put forth ridiculous work ethic and you do it with enthusiasm for whatever you're doing. And, and I think that's the secret. 
any questions or comments on that? And then I'll just I'll give a quick tip on how what I thought the evolution was of my sales career. Let's go into the evolution. So yeah, the evolution, I'll, I'll keep this shorter. It's um, one day I was making sales calls and I made like 20 sales calls for the day or in the morning or whatever. And uh, I, I, you know, I got a hold of like two people at the very end and they were both really rude and they hung up on me, you know, and they're like, don't ever call here again. We don't, we're not interested, you know, and they hung up. And if you've ever done anything in life where you've been rejected like that, it doesn't feel good, right? You like, get this feeling mm-hmm. in the pit of your stomach and you have this like victim self-talk. You're like, if they knew me, why would they, they would never treat <laughs> me like that. I'm a good person. I don't deserve that, you know? <laughs> and so I had that internal dialogue and that night going to sleep, I was like thinking I should get like a real job. This is, you know, I was on like a really bad streak of sales that last week and da, da, da. And I realized I'm playing this game wrong. Like my emotions are attached to my results, but ultimately in my, my, my day to day results, my call to call results, like bad phone call. I feel bad, bad day of sales. I feel bad. And I went, that's silly because I'm not, I'm not in this for a day or a phone call. I'm in this for the long haul. And at the end of the year, how much I sell, and this is true, this to me is the secret to success in a lot of ways, um, other than the miracle morning, of course. But, um, but no, but, if, but, but, but in reality, every result that we have that we want to create for our business, it's, it's preceded by a process. So for me, the process was making 20 phone calls a day every day. But most of us are emotionally attached to our results and we let our emotional attachment affect our commitment to the process. So you go, ah, oh, like you, you have a bad day and you don't feel motivated, right? And I realize, why let myself be emotionally attached to my day-to-day results? Why don't I just commit to the process of 20 calls a day, five days a week, no matter what, and then just remove my emotional attachment? If I make 20 calls and no one answers the phone or 20 people answer and they all tell me to screw off, who cares? Like, who, why would I, why do I need to care about that? So I played this game where I'm like, I'm going to make 20 calls every day as fast as I can. And then I'm going to go hang out by the pool. And I don't care what happens on those calls. I don't care what happens on my appointments. If no one buys for me, that's okay. Cause I know that the law of averages will always play out. And as long as I make 20 calls a day, five days a week at the end of the year, I'll be where I want to be. And if I want to be double that, and this is a really kind of important distinction, mm-hmm. I just double the phone calls. I'll make 40 calls a day. And all sell twice as much. The thought of doubling your results is usually intimidating for most people. But if you back it up to the process and you go, well, right now I'm sending out 100 mailers a week. I could send out 200. Or right now I'm making 20 calls a day. I can make 40 calls a day. If you double the process, you double the results in anywhere in between. And so that was how I evolved. And I ended up doubling my best year ever in sales once I realized that by simply making two hours of phone calls a day instead of one hour of phone calls a day. Wow. Simple and something that anybody from a real estate standpoint, can implement. I love that. Clearly, dying, technically, for six minutes gives you perspective on life. I wonder, for someone who's gone through that event, because I haven't, when you have challenges come up, and perhaps you just touched on it with committing to the process, don't be emotionally attached to the results, but just commit to the process. But, boy, there are days, and today, I'm beyond. today, for me, is one of them, where I've just had like punch after punch after punch with different things I'm working on nail me. And I know intellectually that I need to maintain perspective. And I know intellectually that the problems I have, 99.5% of the world would wish they had my problems instead of their their problems. So I, I get it. I get it intellectually. But 
how do I and others, or perhaps yourself, I'm not sure since you have that context with dying for six minutes, how do we continually and quickly have that perspective when life just keeps punching you in the face? Sure. That's one of my favorite questions because this to me is the one of the most important realizations I've had in terms of being able to deal with adversity and, and be happy, you know? Um, and it, it's the idea uh, of acceptance. And specifically, I call it accepting life before it happens. I think it was the book, The Power of Now, which ironically I'm, I'm reading, rereading after like 10 years of not reading it, but uh, that, that really opened my eyes to this. And this is actually, I was doing it after my accident. Uh, I was doing what this book teaches, but I, I, you know, I never read the book. I just was like, oh, that's why I was able to be happy in the midst of this uh, circumstance in the hospital. So quick story, the doctors called my parents in a week after I came out of the coma, and they said, we don't know how to explain this, but, uh, or no, I'm sorry, that was the other story. They said, um, they said Hal, we're concerned with Hal. He is uh, always happy. <laughs> they said, they go, this isn't normal after, you know, he's being told he may never walk again. He's got broken bones. His body is scarred and thrashed and he, you know, his ear was cut off. I mean, right. Like he, but he's all happy go lucky and he's smiling and laughing and joking with us and making us laugh. They go, that's not normal for a 20 year old young man who's being told he's probably never going to walk again. They said, so we want you to talk to him and find out how he's really feeling because, you know, this, we believe this is some form of denial because he can't handle the truth. You know, they can't handle his reality. So my dad came in that night and said, Hal, hey, you know, he told me what the doctors were concerned with and said, it's okay to be depressed or sad, Hal. I know you like to be positive, but, you know, feel your emotions. I mean, this is a, this is, you know, this is horrible. It's, it's okay to acknowledge that. He said, how are you really feeling? I looked at my dad and I mean, he was like, you know, his eyes were red and he was like trying not to cry. And I'm like, gosh, wow. You know, let me, let me really think before I respond. Am I sad? Am I angry? Am I depressed? All these things that he's saying and the doctors are suggesting it are normal. And I looked at my dad. I said, dad, I thought you knew me better than that. I said, remember, I live my life by the five minute rule that I learned in my Cutco training. And uh, he said, remind me what that is again. I said, it's okay to be negative when things go wrong, but not for more than five minutes. See, every negative emotion we've, we've ever felt, and this is really the lesson here, every negative emotion that we've ever felt or could ever feel in the future or right now in our lives, it's self-created. No one ever teaches us this, but the reality is we, you know, we think, oh, of course I'm sad. Look at what I lost. Or of course I'm angry. Look at what she did. Of course I'm, you know, upset. Look at what happened. Right. And we think it's the thing, the, the stimulus that's causing our pain. And the reality is it's our level of resistance to the stimulus. In other words, the degree that we wish and want things to be different than they can be is the degree that we create pain for ourselves. So somebody breaks your heart, like when junior high, you know, I had my heart broken. I'm like, no, right? It's to the degree that I resisted going, no, no, we were supposed to get to, we were supposed to be married, right? We were together for two weeks. I bought her a promise ring. Like, and it, and it, it, some people, they never get over it, but it's the moment that we accept it and go, you know what? I can't change it. We're, we're not going to be together anymore. I just have to accept it. And that doesn't mean you're happy about it, but you're much more rooted. You're, you're at peace. When you accept all things you can't change, you're at peace. And so for me, the decision, it, it became accepting not only the things I can't change that have already happened, but accepting life before it happens. So that whatever happens in the future, I've already accepted that if it happens and I, you know, I now can't go back in time and change it, whether it was five minutes ago, five years ago, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to be at peace with it. 
I'm not going to create any negative emotion toward it unless that serves the situation, which sometimes it does, rarely. You know, it might if you need to be upset with someone so they understand they hurt you and they shouldn't do that again, right? Then that, that's okay, right? Like you, you, but, but, but here's the deal. If you don't know how to accept the things that are out of your control and be at peace with those things, then you don't get to choose your emotions. The, the circumstances create them, right? You're like, oh, I'm so upset versus, you know what? I accept it. Take a breath. What's the optimum response right now? And then you might go, I should just be at peace or I should be grateful or I can't change it. I should focus on a solution. Or you might go, you know what? I need to be upset right now with this person. I need to let them know that what they did was wrong so they know not to do it again. But it, but, but it, you're not doing it out of anger, out of, out of a lack of control of emotions. You're doing it because you're choosing the optimum response to serve that situation. So anyway, so that's it. And it's the five minute rule to me. You know, now I don't need five minutes because now I'll set the timer for five minutes, or, you know, and I'd go 30 seconds in, I'd go, damn it, why? Oh, I'm so mad. And then I'd look at my timer and go, I got four and a half more minutes. Like <laughs> that, this is silly. You know, like I can't change it. I'm just going to accept it and move on. And so at first the five minute rule is nice. Cause you need that kind of breathing room, that transition, get, get upset for five minutes. Cause if that's what you're used to being, which most of us are, I used to be, then you eventually get to where you go, okay, five minutes down to two minutes, down to one minute, down to like five seconds. Just go son of a bitch. Ugh. All right. Can't change it. Move on. You know, I mean, and that, that's kind of the evolution of accepting life before it happens. Did you literally, when you first started that, have a five minute stopwatch? Oh, yeah. I literally would set it. I mean, back then, I don't think we had time. I don't think we had timers on our phones. It yeah. was like, you know, it was 98, right? But uh, yeah, I would literally set, the, I, had, I had a watch and I would set the timer for five minutes. Or I'd look at the clock sometimes and I'd give myself five minutes. And at first, five minutes would go by and I'd go, I'm still upset. But just the awareness of, okay, I don't have to be upset. I need to accept this. Take a breath. You and know. How, how do you balance the acceptance part with not accepting results? Like if you fail to achieve something and you're upset and then you're like, okay, five minute rule, I accept it. Um, but you know, overachievers, they want to continue to progress and then actually achieve that thing. So how do you balance that out? The distinction is you're not accepting your future results right? Mm, got it. You're accepting your current results and you're going, all right, this is exactly what happened. I can't change it. What can I learn from it? How can I grow from it? How can I do better? What can I adjust so that that never happens again? So next time I hit my goal. All right, boom, go, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that, that to me is the kind of the, how I, how I would work through okay. that. So, so I was confused when you said accepting life before it happens. Got it. No. So that's just accepting everything that's out of your control. Okay. Like it's, it's, it's a general idea that no matter what happens, Right. Like today, if I got my arm cut off, I'd be like, well, I can't change that. So I'm not going to feel upset over it. I'm yep. going to be the happiest person you've ever seen without an arm. Yeah, you know? I'm with you. In the couple minutes that yes. we have remaining, what should the best of listeners know about the Miracle Morning that we haven't discussed? Just go to miraclemorningbook.com or you can go to miraclemorning.com. But if you I just go read the reviews, like that's what I would say. Um, I've never I never had the vision, honestly, for it being this big. And it's everything from people that are like at rock bottom, like they're, you know, this guy recently lost 70 pounds his first five months of doing the Miracle Morning. And he's been obese his whole life. Nothing ever worked. He tried diet pills. He tried hypnosis, everything. The Miracle Morning, he's lost 70 pounds. And now he's like a huge diehard. He volunteers at all of our events. You know, it's super diehard. So people that have been depressed, they get off their depression medication, like these types of results. But I think the more impressive results are people like Pat Flynn, you know, seven figure earner, 
4X his productivity. Or Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, reaches out to me. This is like, I, I still can't say this without like getting excited. Robert Kiyosaki reached reach out to me. And his book changed my life. You know, it's sold 26 million copies. Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life like a decade ago. He reached out and said, Hal, I've read The Miracle Morning three times. And it's completely changed my life and, and even improved my marriage with my wife. We do it together every day. Wow. And so I'm like, okay, I was at rock bottom when I created the Miracle Morning and it turned my life around so fast. That's why I started calling it the Miracle Morning. Robert Kiyosaki is worth, you know, if you Google him, I think it's like $80 million. So if you're anywhere in between rock bottom and a net worth of $80 million, the Miracle Morning can change your life. You know, it's, it's universal for all ages, all people, et cetera. It really is. Now, if you're outside of the $80 million net worth, I don't know what book you should read, but. <laughs> how, how, how to protect your, your assets yeah, for yeah, long-term yeah, wealth, exactly. for generational that, wealth. Yes. Great advice. Yeah. How, right. what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? HalElrod.com or uh, either, go to MiracleMorning.com. The new Miracle Morning site has been up for just a few weeks. I, I, I think they did a great job. We're still tweaking a few bugs, but um, yeah. But uh, And then actually, last but not least, the Miracle Morning community is the most engaged Facebook group I've ever seen. We have 43,000 members from like, you know, I think it was 40 countries. Now I think it's over 70. We grow by about 200 a day and, and, and it's quality, not just quantity. Like people are, no one's allowed to market their stuff in there. It's just people supporting each other in their development and becoming the best version of ourselves. And yeah, it's really, really cool. So if you're on Facebook, go to go search the Miracle Morning community. Uh, but I would say, yeah, go check out the book. And if you go to miraclemorning.com, and you know, put in your name and email. Uh, it'll send you a video, an audio, and the first couple chapters for free. So if you're not ready to buy the book, you know, go to miraclemorning.com to uh, to get all the freebies. Hal, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about you know some specific skills as well as psychology, which connects into those skills. One of them is how do you respond when things go wrong and talking about your five-minute rule that you live by and not accepting your future results. You can't change the past. So you've got to um, really live by that five-minute rule and, and think about, okay, this is what happened. I can't change it, but yeah. here's what I can do in the future to optimize performance or to just say, well, that's done. Now, now what yeah. else, what else do I got going on? As well as, you know, talking about how you achieve so much success in the Cutco, um, selling knives. I mean, th enthusiasm and work ethic and how you got to the next level, which I love this. You initially were associating bad calls to feeling bad. And mm -hmm. then you realized that was silly. And then you went from that to committing to the process. Then who cares? Because it's science that if you do X amount of calls, in your case, initially it was 20, then yeah. you get X results. And if you want to double that, well, double the results. And guess what? You double the process. You do 40 calls or you build a system in place and et cetera, et cetera. So really, really wonderful speaking with you. Uh, I'm actually going to go read The Power of Now as well as The Miracle Morning. And uh, best ever listeners, since Hal and I have been trying to f record this conversation three times now, I've been talking to people about <laughs> my uh, interview that I'm going to have with Hal. And I can tell you so many of my personal friends have already implemented Hal's advice within the Miracle Morning. And the more familiar I, I become with it, the more and more I realize that I need to implement more of those aspects. I do some, but more of those aspects in my morning. So thank you so much for being on the show. Have you a best ever weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com 
you can do the online application. Takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved. And then you could be financed within seven days. Pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com.